I'm excited as hell to be a Dallas Cowboy. Who was the toughest guy to tackle? Ezekiel Elliott. Feed Elliott. What's up, Cowboy Nation? Let's get it! Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Back Row Cowboy Show, a proud part of the Back Row Sports Network. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Back Row Cowboy Show. I'm your host, Adam, and across from me, as always, my co-host, Seth. What's up, Cowboy Nation? And on today's episode, we'll just be talking some preseason news, injuries, players we're excited about, and kind of recapping preseason game one and game two, and then also some players we're a little bit worried about maybe potentially making the final 53. Seth, why don't you go and lead us off with injury notes now. All right, well, we got a couple pieces of news here. Uh, I'm going to start with uh, Sean McKeon. Uh, He has a high ankle sprain, and he's going to looking to be four to six weeks out, um, which is a shame because he was doing so good in the preseason. Uh, Our next one on the list is – uh, Neville Gallimore um, hyperextended his, or dislocated his elbow and he is looking at four to six weeks as well so that's uh, a big hit at the tight end position uh, I thought McKeon could could make a good run this season uh, as far as maybe not necessarily starter but I think he could be effective and very useful for the team the way he was playing Jumbo packages, three tight end packages. Yep, exactly. And then and he showed he showed some ability catching the ball. And the problem is without him, you're looking at like Jeremy Sprinkle. Well, he's Nick I mean, Eubanks. He's our biggest standout so far on offensive side this year, other than uh, Dodal. Other than him, I mean, McKeon has been really big so far the first two games. Another thing is 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 Blake Jarwin. Is he going to be a hundred percent? Still got to worry about the team. They they said they're not going to put him on a pitch count, but until he's out there playing every single snap, you have to worry about depth at the tight end position. And the thing is, McKeon has been such a good blocker. He's been such a good receiver. He's been so consistent. Practice in, practice out. You've heard good things. In the preseason, the looks he's gotten have been promising. And you just worry about the downgrade because Eubanks has caught some balls and looked good in the receiving game, not so – not so much known for his blocking. And if you go to Jeremy Sprinkle, it's the complete vice versa. Yeah. Terrific blocker, always known for his blocking ability, not the best pass catcher. Whereas McKeon showed the ability to do a little bit of both. And so that's just my fear is if with him missing four to six weeks, if Blake Jarwin's not back to 100% game one, you're putting a lot on Dalton Schultz, and Dalton Schultz is hurt. He's had some ankle injuries. They're talking about him being on track for week one. So now all of a sudden you may be going against Tampa Bay and that vaunted front seven 
how great they are stuff in the run. You know we're going to be trying to run the ball against them. There, we were probably looking to play a lot of two tight end packages. Yeah. We may not be able to have one healthy starting tight end going into week one against them. Not one you're excited about. Well, I mean, yeah, that's it. I mean, and then you look at bringing Jeremy Sprinkle in, which, like you said, he's a great blocker, but not much more after that. So, yeah, this is a big hit. And Nick Eubank, you know, we drafted him in our mock draft and think he has a lot of potential, but – at the end of the day, when he's in college, he didn't get a whole lot of reps. He didn't get a whole lot of, you know, receptions or catches, or, you know, whatever. Uh, so, yeah. Well, well there's a difference between running against the threes and running against the ones. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 100%. So, we'll just have to see how that goes out. And hopefully, Jarwin is ready week one. Because if he's ready week one, then this is not really a conversation, really. So, but on to the bigger of the two injuries. Uh, Neville Gallimore. Now, we are both big Gallimore guys. You know, I was big Gallimore guy from the first piece of film I watched. Uh, this is a big hit. I mean, he was he was definitely uh, a projected starter week one. So, now you're looking at week two, week three, before you get him in the lineup. And uh, that depends on, too, if it heals the way it's supposed to heal and – then he's got to get in football condition, you know. So it could be into closer to October before we see him on the field. So that's a big hit for us. Before I give my thoughts, how would you feel about that sneeze on Hard Knocks? Oh God, <laughs> that was I just cracked up laughing. From yeah, the well, the, everyone did. The defensive line coach and Randy Gregory both kind of looked at him. They're like, "What was that sneeze? Or what was that?" He's like, "Man, I sneezed." And uh, if you're not watching Hard Knocks, you need to. It's it's it was a really episode really two entertaining episode. Episode two is gonna be tomorrow. Episode one, a lot of what that showed me is just the passion of Dak. He wants to be out there. He's mad and frustrated that they're pulling him out practice reps. Yeah, there are guys that don't even want to be there for mini camp. That don't even want to be there for training camp. It's just it's just another day for them. It, it, they could be doing anything else. Dak wants to be out there. It's that leadership and the desire to be there and the desire to show up and get better every day. Guys in the locker room, man, they see that. And that's what inspires people, and that's what makes players want to be better. When you see your franchise quarterback, the leader of the team, wanting to be out there to take every practice rep just to try to get better every single play, that's contagious. Oh, and yeah. and it's, it's that mentality and that desire from him, you hope, catches like a fever with everyone and – that's just that's a big positive for me from Hard Knocks, and then learning that Neville Gallimore sneezes. I'm glad he very pla- very dainty <laughs> is is what I'll call that sneeze. It was I'm very glad dainty. he plays better than he sneezes. Let's put it that way. Yeah, um, but you know, to get back on topic, the um, the injury concerns me. It's he's he was the standout player on the interior of our defensive line. He was that player that we were hoping was going to take a big jump from year one to year two, where year one we saw glimpses and you saw some flashes of greatness. And you even saw some stretches in, like, the the Steelers game where he just would take over play after play. You're hoping he would build on that and and be a little bit more consistent going into year two. There's some some backup behind him. Tristan Hill. He's still hurt. That's what I'm saying. He's hurt. So you've got him and Gallimore hurt. That's your youth. 
So now you're really looking at guys like Brent Urban yep. and Watkins. Those are probably the new two projected starters now. One, I, I am. This is a, a position where I am going to talk about being even more surprised by a player than I already was coming into the draft. There was a player I was pretty happy we were we drafted that looks even better than I think you and I even expected. And we'll, we'll get to that later down the line. But I think the big takeaway from this is Urban and Watkins. There, there's going to be a lot on their plate. The first, you could be looking at anywhere between one and three games missed from Neville Gallimore. And then knocking the rust off, knowing that when he comes back, he's probably not going to be able to play every single snap. That that elbow is just not going to heal overnight. So they'll, they'll probably protect it. In, they'll probably protect it and limit him to a certain extent. Well, that's definitely what they brought those guys in for to add depth. Uh, because there was there was at at the beginning of mini camps and everything, the whole off season, there was question marks about it. So. Um, like you said, there's definitely going to be uh, a lot on their plate from the get-go. And, it, and like you said, we'll go into it. But I know who you're talking about, and I'm excited about him too. But let's go ahead and jump on to our third piece of injury news. Uh, Dak Prescott just had another MRI. And everybody was speculating, you know, when it come out to talk about the MRI, that something seriously was wrong. And and is actually the absolute opposite of it. They went to do another the second MRI just to make sure that everything was healing like it's supposed to be healing, and and that's exactly what they figured. Uh, everything looks to be uh, on schedule and healing up perfectly. And he is actually looking to take some reps and do some practice on a limited basis today, Monday. Now, from what we heard from Mike McCarthy, there's going to be no seven on seven. There's going to be no 11 on 11. So it's going to be some off-to-the-side workouts. But it's encouraging that he went, if you did watch Hard Knocks, they weren't letting him throw. They were limiting his reps. He wasn't. He was doing a lot of the drop-back stuff, but he wasn't throwing the ball. The fact that he's even throwing the ball off to the side shows that the injury is getting better, that it's healing. And that was the reason for the MRI. And that's, that's one thing Seth and I talked about wanting to include that as we went on air tonight is the fact that this MRI is a positive thing, and the fact that he got it is a positive thing and not a negative by any means. It, it's healing. It's getting better. Um, one thing that I did see that Mike McCarthy said that I know you had some opinions on it before we went on air, Seth, was that Mike McCarthy said if Dak doesn't play this week, then he's not playing this preseason. And, and I know that you're a little leery of that considering he hasn't played since week five of last season. And we open up against Super Bowl champs. We're opening night Thursday night. We're the first game of the season against the defending Super Bowl champs, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Well, that's my thing. Like, I understand it's a 17-game season. I understand that. Uh, but every game matters. I don't care how you put it. Every game matters, even week one matchups. I don't care if you're playing against the Jags or the Giants or whoever. Uh Every game matters. So, to me, for him to not get any reps, now we're talking like, you know, maybe a couple a couple series where he can, you know, throw the ball a little bit. I don't care if those two series, if you don't call a single run play, you know, unless, of course, it's longer drives. But he needs to get some of that rust. He has not played since October of last year. 
that's a long time to sit, even for a court. A player that's been playing quarterback his whole life. Um, I just think that's a long time to be sitting. And I think who we have week one is 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 going to be huge. Uh, there's no time week one for rust. If it's if it's a shootout, you know we don't have you know we can't afford that pick that might happen or whatever just because of the rust, just because he's not used to the speed of the game. So, to me, it's important for him just to get a couple series in at least. And if he doesn't play next week, that's fine. But he needs to get a couple weeks, you know, a couple series in. I mean, we're probably already the underdog going into that game anyway. We're playing against the Super Bowl champions, a dynamic offense over there. And I I think that we've got a a top-tier offense as well. But their defense is – Is better than ours. I mean, as of right now. Their defense is better than a lot of people's. Um so I think that that's the big difference is if Dak's rusty, that defense will take advantage and and they'll create turnovers and they're gonna they're gonna create pressure off the bat already. So if if Dak's just a second slow or he's just he, he second guesses himself at all, you can't afford to do that against a, a defense like Tampa Bay. Well, it's holding on to the ball too long. I mean that's that's key and that's that's where getting in there and getting those reps and getting used to the flow of the game again helps with that. Um, virtually, he has not practiced hardly none in training camp. So he's not even knocking the rust off in training camp. You know, he had the first couple of days of training camp and then he hurt his shoulder and that was kind of, okay, now he's been throwing little 10-yard dunks here and there, but he has he's not throwing anything over 10 yards and – what two weeks now so yeah uh, he needs something yeah I, i'd love to see a series like you said two series it just you've been a big advocate of this and and you've preached this all along nothing beats game reps exactly you, you just can't beat the speed of the game when the pads are on and the referees out there, and the ball's live, and you're and you're going against people that get paid to stop and, you. And on top of this, this is going to be the first contact he's had since the ankle injury. So not only are you looking at that, but you're looking at the 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 arm as well. So there's a lot going on there that he needs to get it back into the the game a little bit and get used to things because that's a lot. Well, the hope is that the offensive line is back healthy for week one and that everyone's ready to roll. I think that he's going to get eased back regardless of who we play against, even week one. I, I, I think – and he even came out and said it. They were asking him about – he was projected to throw well over 5,000 yards last year. I think I think the projections before he got hurt were closer to 6,000 yards. And he even said that if he has to do that next year, we're not going to be a good team. He says if, if he has to do that this year, next year – Whenever it is, we're not we're not going to be a good team because we're not going to be balanced. Well, I think that's what we're going to do. I think we're going to go in week one and we're going to be – I think we're going to be heavy run week one just yeah. because of the injuries and all that. And if we're in a shootout or if we get behind, we ain't got no choice. So that's I, well, why that, I that's think a, it's so That's important. a team that wants – to get ahead of you, they want to be able to utilize the pass. Right? Yeah, that's why I want the I want the reps. Yeah, a hundred percent. I agree with you. I, I think that that's all we have for. There are some other injuries. 
we've tried to focus on there, – there's just a lot to cover. Randy no. Gregory is dealing with a foot injury, but he's like day-to-day. He's he's really – he didn't play against Arizona, but it's more like a day-to-day special, you know, precautionary. I mean, we know so. Tank Lawrence is just coming off pup. They say he's going to be fine for week one. I, I wouldn't mind seeing all these guys get some reps. And we'll probably see Cooper this week, too. I so. think we need to. I, th- I think I think those guys need to be out there. I mean, teams, you know, are starting to get some of their big name players out for these games. That you need to see some significant snaps out of these guys. They're just nothing beats game reps, and and you need to you need to see what you have. Like even if it's just Gilbert throwing them the ball this week, you know, the wide receivers need to be out there. Yeah, I mean, without question, I, I, any of our top receivers haven't really played other than Gallup. Um, I think CD Lamb, he might have had a series. He played a Arizona, series. That's it. He wasn't even looked at. So I, I uh, think I think the plan was to never throw him the ball. I think the yeah, plan was to yeah, have him out there. I'm sure. Warm the legs up, try to get some timings down and, and just you know, I, I don't think they were gonna risk it for the biscuit with, with CeeDee Lamb. Uh w- with that, Seth, I think that you know, we're good on injuries. I, I don't have anything else to discuss. Why don't we move right into training camp? Uh, I'm sorry, preseason game one. Uh, that was a Hall of Fame game uh, against the um, Pittsburgh Steelers. Pittsburgh Steelers ended up winning that game 16-3. to um, Why don't we just do some takeaways from the game and, and just kind of your thoughts, some players that stood out to you, some players, whether positive or negative, uh, any particular plays that you liked? Well, uh, you know, there's a couple of people that stood out to me. Sean McKeon was one of them. Uh, he had a really good game. Uh, and week one and week two, uh, Dodal, that, that, the way he played the last two games, we shouldn't even talk about running back anymore because he did. Three, he did have a couple fumbles. Uh, well, yeah, that's true too. But I still think that those – there shouldn't be any other questions about it. I think those three are locked to make the roster. Uh, Parsons – uh, both games has been really well, uh, played well. Uh, Jabril Cox has played really well both games. Uh, Nation Wright has played pretty good both games. He did have one that one deep pass uh, against Claypool, but Claypool did push off a little bit. So well, but like Nation Wright was also putting his hands in the air as Claypool was going to step on it. He's got to learn. I mean, you got to play that thing to the whistle. Yeah, you do. You got to continue to to push that through, and, and let the ref make the call. You know, because the problem is in the game, is if he lets up like that and that ball's let out a little more, all of a sudden Claypool's walking into the end zone. Yeah, and you're standing there with your hands in the air, and it's like, what are you doing? So that mistake could have been a lot worse than it that came out. That's definitely to be. a rookie mistake. But for but sure. for so. sure he's ha- he's had some moments that are very inspiring for a player that a lot of people thought we overdrafted. And we will uh I would like to bring him back up here shortly. Uh let's see. Bohanna, he's played really good and I know that's the player yeah, that you that, was talking that's, about. That's the player I was talking about in, in the intro. He looks a lot more athletic I don't know if it's wearing the star or it can't be wearing blue and white because he wore blue and white in college. But man, he looks he looks just as strong. He looks a lot faster, 
a lot more agile. I, I saw a little bit of pass rush. I, I, I saw a couple of plays where he was in the backfield uh, going after the quarterback, and, and that's considering what we're, we're going to be missing with Neville Gallimore. That's big. Th- like. There's no – I like Watkins. I like Urban. They're solid players. They're role players. But there's a reason why we're able to grab them for agency. We don't have any superstars inside the defensive line. I think our chance at it was Neville Gallimore. Yeah, While exactly. he's out, it's going to be it's going to be player by committee. I mean, this defensive line, especially the interior, it's going to be a rotation. So the more bodies you have, the fresher you can keep these guys. And I'm I'm extremely encouraged by what I've what we've seen from him. And it's not just been against the twos, man. He played. I think you and I were texting. I think his snap share was like in the 70 percentile week one against the Steelers. Now, I understand a lot of that was against, like, number twos. They didn't have – obviously, Big Ben didn't play. That, that's, that was the biggest player that they were missing. Uh, but they, they were out there with Najee Harris. They had Chase Claypool. They had Deontay Johnson going. Um, so they had a lot of their big-name players going out, even in the Hall of Fame game, and, and seeing a 70 percent – Snapshare from a player that we took in the sixth round. I mean, that's really encouraging, considering how he looked. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with you 100 percent there. I think he looked re- really well in these first two games. Uh, the bad thing is about, like you said, with the Gallimore injury and Tristan Hill still being out. Uh, there's going to be a lot on his plate too because he's going to play a lot of a lot of reps early, and. Uh, but I've, I mean, I've liked what I've seen so far, and I think he's going to handle it really well. My biggest question is: Is he going to be able to handle the big workload consistently? Yeah. So and that's that's the biggest question because Tristan Hill is going to be out for probably the first month or so, and Gallimore is going to be out for the first month or so as well. So that's that's the biggest question: Is he going to be able to to handle the workload? Because he's definitely going to get some time. Yeah, I, I agree 100%. Now, game one, Tony Pollard got a few carries. He made some plays. I, he looks – he there's still some explos- there's still some explosiveness to his game. I, I think that he's a really good handcuff to Zeke. I, I think that's what he is. I, I wouldn't mind seeing him utilize a little more in the passing game, try to get him out in space. It's something we did a little bit last year. I'd like to see us continue to build on that. Um. It's tough to talk highly about really any of the wide receivers because you just know. As far as the the first two games, I think Malik Turner has has played pretty well the first two games. He's also hurt. Uh, I mean, Gallup is – the few reps he's played in, he's played all right, but – like you said, after that, it's kind of like I I, w- I didn't like that drop over the middle yeah, that Gallup had yeah. on that third down. But he did redeem he did redeem himself for sure. The next play, they went right back to him, and we converted a fourth and ten with him. But that pass over the middle, I mean, that was a dime yeah. by Gilbert, yeah. and he had a little bit of room to run. That's probably a thirty yard catch. We probably would have been inside the red zone. Yeah, that was uh, definitely unfortunate, but. Uh, he did redeem himself a little bit. Now, while we're talking offensive side of the ball right now, I 
want to tell you what I didn't like. Uh, Everything offensive line related. You know exactly where I was going. And I wanted to start with uh, Connor Williams playing center. He did not look good playing center at all. I think – Now, I understand the, they're looking for depth. I understand they're looking for depth at the center position. Now, but it, he struggled. Well, I'll say, well, I'll save this for towards the end, kind of the players that we think um, – th- those bubble players for the 53. But I think Connor struggling at center helps someone else. Connor's he's a, he's a really, really good guard. I, I need to change my perspective on him. It, it's tough when you're rolling out Tyrone Smith, Travis Frederick, Zach Martin, and Lyle Collins, and you've got four Pro Bowlers, and, and four of the guys, and I'm, I'm talking about two years ago, and, and four guys that you could argue are no worse than top three at their position. Between Fredericks was the best center in the game, in well, my left, opinion. Left guard's already been the weakest position on our line. But That's what I'm saying, but – you know, I think I've been a little bit too hard on him when Frederick was there, and even when Biotish is there, and and Tyron Smith at left tackle. Connor Williams is good enough to get the job done, even as an average NFL starter to maybe slightly above. With the other pieces we have on the offensive line, we we can still contend for for best offensive line in the NFL. Everyone's healthy, so I need to change my opinion on Connor Williams. I know I want nothing but. Pro bowlers at every position, but that's just hard to have. And, well, and I want to jump at the left guard position because uh, Connor McGovern he struggled a little bit at the left guard position. I, the whole offensive line hasn't so, looked great. Uh, and Knight he he has not looked good at all. Uh, He's taken a step back from where he was last year because I thought he he struggled to begin the year. And, and then he he was at least solid. I mean, he he's never going to be Tyrone Smith, but he's solid. He he held the fort at that position. It's looked a lot worse in preseason than it looked the last five to six weeks of last year when the offense kind of got back on track. Yeah, and all these pieces that we've brought in, I'm 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 still concerned about our depth on the offensive line. Uh. I don't know. I can't. I don't know how to say his last name. You do. Ty Nesky. Nesky. Uh, it hadn't looked good. It hadn't looked good either for him. And to be honest with you, he's on the bubble. In he's my he's got me really wanting Josh Ball to get on the field. Josh Ball yeah. is a player we took in the fourth round, and a lot of teams thought that he had day one and day two traits. But there were some problems with him at college that pushed him down to round four. I want to see those traits on the field, but the problem is he's been hurt and he hasn't been able to get out there and play. Yeah, that's that's it's it's hard to show how good you could be if you can't even be on the field. So but uh, yeah, the, the, I'm not the too depth. I'm not too worried about the right side uh, of the line. Lyle Collins is out there getting reps. That's the most important thing for him is just knocking that rust off, getting in the game healthy, getting out the game healthy. I'm not worried about him. I'm never, ever going to be worried about Zach Martin and how good he's going to play. The fact that we're having been playing Tyler Biotish shows me what the team thinks about him because in a lot of these games we haven't been playing 
a lot of our big name players. So if you're getting pulled off the field and you're considered one of the 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 guys that just aren't going to see a lot of preseason snaps, it shows that the team's got a lot of belief in you. So I think our biggest question mark is really left tackle. Is is Tyrone Smith going to be ready to roll week one? He's looked good. He's cut some weight. He looks to be in fantastic shape. But is he going to be able to hold up for 17 games this year? And if not, who comes in at left tackle? Because Ty Nesky hasn't looked good. Do we hold on to – now, Knight, to be fair, has played three different positions this preseason. That's, yeah, that's Whereas true. he played pretty much exclusively left tackle once they rotated him and Steele. So, to be fair, Knight's been thrown around a lot. That's what That means one of two things. If you're getting moved around a lot in preseason, it means you're on the bubble and they're trying to find somewhere for you to play. Or you're just one of the coaching staff's guys, and they want to see what they have in you. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that 100%. I mean, other than our offensive line depth. I haven't loved the quarterback play. That's where I was going. Uh, it, it hasn't been great. Gilbert has had flashes some, some flashes and then he's had he's been robbed of some flashes just what the gallop catch for one uh what well the gallop drop i should say um but after him uh ben denucci and i wasn't huge on denucci but i was i was intrigued by what i seen at jmu i was intrigued by it now seeing him in the NFL, uh, it looks like too much backyard football for me. I, yeah, I think he's he's he's, he, he's he not doesn't, progressing quick enough. He doesn't have pocket presence, and and that's one thing you can say about Gilbert. Gilbert's pocket presence has been better, but there's time he gets those happy feet where it's just Tom Brady. I, I understand you can't compare anyone to Tom Brady. What what makes Tom Brady great? Does he have the strongest arm in NFL history? Absolutely not. Is he the most athletic quarterback in the NFL? Not even close. What makes Brady so great is not just his mental game, but it's also just those little nuances and the way he just maneuvers the pocket and just steps up just to give himself that extra that that extra second to let that receiver come open. That's the difference between the elite, the good, the okay, and the bad. It's just that ability to work within the pocket and the ability to navigate the pocket. Because teams in the NFL are going to figure you out if you're only good at rolling out. You're going to have to learn to navigate the pocket and work your way up the pocket and work your way side to side and, and back when needed. And that's one thing I haven't seen from any of the three. But still, I, I think I think Gilbert... If the quarterback play has done anything this preseason, it's solidified that Gilbert's the only player on our team. I think we're only keeping two quarterbacks. Yeah, I mean, if we ended up keeping three quarterbacks, I think obviously it'd be Dak, then it would be Gilbert, and then Cooper Rush. See, I, I'm, I'm, I differ with you there. I would keep Danucci on the hope that then he can continue to progress. Cooper Rush has no fastball at all. The yeah, ball, I mean, he looks like he's throwing change-ups. I guess I could see that, but 
Danucci has not – he just hasn't played well at all. So, But you're hoping your number three – you're shooting for I'm, you're shooting for upside with your number three. I'm hoping we're not worried about a number three. Well, I understand but. that, but but if we decide to keep a third, I think we're keeping them just for upside alone. I don't see any upside in in Cooper Rush. I still see some upside in Ben Nucci. Maybe he's yeah. got the he's got the arm strength. He's got some playmaking ability. He's got enough athleticism to get outside the pocket and, and scare defenses with his legs. Cooper Rush just looks like a diet Garrett Gilbert. And Garrett Gilbert's, I mean, he's nothing special. He, he's okay. I mean, he's, he'll probably be an okay backup. But I don't need another Garrett Gilbert. We already got one. Yeah, maybe you're right. I don't know. Um, I mean, but I, but more of the story, we need Dak back if we won. Yeah, let's not. We're, I hope we're never talking about QB3 anyway. Well, we said we weren't going to talk about offensive line last year. We said we weren't going to talk about no. defensive line last well, year. I'm hoping we ain't doing it again, okay? We don't need that again. We Too much stress, okay? Um. Well, let's, let's move to wide receiver. Uh, of course, like you said, you know, Mari Cooper, uh, Gallup, CD Land, they're all locks. Uh, Cedric Wilson's had some flashes in the preseason for sure. Uh, he's actually he's been in and out pretty quick too. Yeah, but I think he's locked. As that, our that's four. what yeah, that's what I'm saying. I think they get him in, get a few snaps, and they get him off the field. After that, it gets a little murky. Gets uh, real murky. Uh, Malik Turner, <clears throat> excuse me, Malik Turner has had. Some flashes here and there. He's played pretty good the first couple games. Uh, my man Fioko, man, he's Fihoko. Fihoku. He has played better. He did play better week two against Arizona. Uh, week one, I think he had a drop, and I think he had like one reception for four yards. But week two, I think he had three for twenty-eight. So that's a little better. Uh. <laughs> As far as after Malik Turner and Fioku, because you know that's my boy coming out of out of the draft, there really hasn't been much. So we got our we got our top four locked. Uh, Noah Brown has not shown me anything to lock a spot. Uh, do I think we're gonna keep keep? Six wide receivers. I think we will. It's just who those two wide receivers are going to – and I think Fioku is going to keep it because a fifth-round pick, I think I think he's going to do enough to keep it. The question is, is Noah Brown going to be worth what we're paying him or is somebody else going to sneak in there? Well, Noah Brown is also – he's got that special teams prowess. Well, that and, and, and the blocking and, ability. And the thing is – if we keep two quarterbacks, you open yourself up one other spot somewhere else. Now that Shea Wu is hurt, who is our projected, if we kept a fullback, it was looking to be him. With him hurt and out with the neck injury, I think that's another injury that could be a problem. But I don't think we were ever going to use the fullback. I don't think it was ever going to be a staple of our offense. But if we kept a fullback, it would have been him. Now with that happening, I think we're looking to keep in. Three running backs, two quarterbacks. That's five out of your 53. So, it's 48 others between wide receiver, tight end, et cetera, et cetera. I think we look to keep three tight ends. I think it's probably Jarwin, Schultz, McKeon. Uh, 
if he doesn't, you know, if he's hurt, I mean, now granted, we'd have to put him on pup. Other than that, we're going to have to carry him hurt. So that's a decision that we're going to have to make. And if he goes on pup, who do we keep as tight end three? Because I think we're only going to keep three. I think we're going to play way too much 11 personnel to have to, to keep four tight ends, at least in, in my thoughts. Yeah. So you're looking at eight spots. So you got 45. So, I mean, that allows you to keep maybe an extra offensive tackle, maybe an extra wide receiver. So there's some potential that we keep six. One thing that I've looked at a lot is trying to see how semi looks on special teams because you're not cracking that lineup. If if there's a fourth wide receiver out there, it's going to be Cedric Wilson. Yeah. So his key to any kind of playing time on game days is going to be on special teams. Oh, yeah, without so, question. So that's one thing that I've really tried to look at. I've seen him out there. It's it, You don't get to see the full picture on special teams. As soon as the guy punts the ball away, it goes straight yeah, to the returner. Yeah. As soon as the kickoff happens, it goes straight to the returner. So there, there's – there's no real way for at least me to analyze special teams, but that's one thing I've been looking for is when we go to punt, is 81 on the field. When we go to do kick returns, is 81 on the field. When we go to do kickoffs, is 81 on the field. Because if he's doing those and excelling at them, that's a way for him to make the team this year and then to continue to develop as a wide receiver and see where he stands in 2022 when we're going to have to make a decision on one of those big three, right, so, either Cooper or Gallup. So basically what you're saying is Noel Brown is probably a lot because there's a blocking ability and a special teams play. No, no, I'm not saying that. Well, I'm, I'm just I'm, saying that those are things that work massively in his favor. Well, all right. Well, let's let's just say he's a lot. Who's more deserving of that sixth spot? Fehoku or Malik Turner? Play on the field, probably Turner. But it, it depends on you – know, we don't get to see the practices. Unfortunately, we don't live in Texas. And unfortunately, we're not beat writers for the Dallas Cowboys because I'd much rather do that than, than the job I do for a living, although I'm, I'm grateful you know, in this economy to be working each and every day and to be able to provide for my wife and, and daughters, not, not to go on a tangent there. But – you know, I mean, for sure, I'd, I'd love to write for the Cowboys or the, and this oh, and that. Yeah. And, and that's one thing you and I try to do is we, we try to look, what are the beat writers saying? What are the insiders saying? But we've talked about it. You don't see a ton about Simi Bahuku. All you hear is that CeeDee Lamb's uncoverable. We knew that last year. Yeah. So they're, well, my they're thing is telling this. us a lot of stuff we already know, at least at the wide receiver position. This is where these next two games are going to come into play. Big time. Four players like – and I don't think it's anybody past those two. I think Davis is – you know, he's had a decent preseason. Yeah, but, but man, he's had some – he's had two or three drops. Yeah, yeah. That have just – he dropped he dropped one touchdown and he's dropped some other balls when he's been open or when he just should have made the play. Well, my thing is, like, they just paid Noel Brown. They just paid him – Uh He's probably a lock just because of his blocking ability and his special teams play. As far as a wide receiver, I haven't seen a whole lot. But I think he's a lot because of those two reasons. 
then it's just going to come down to Malik Turner and Fehoku. Who outperforms who these last? That's where the two, these last two games are going to be the most important. And if it's that close, do you take the draft capital or do you take Malik Turner? I, it, I would take the untapped potential of Semi because we're fortunate at positions like running back and at wide receiver. We're fortunate to have enough talent at those positions to where we can keep players at the bottom on pure upside alone because the, we know the steadiness we have in the starters. Yeah, I mean, I here's the thing. They are, well, Fehoku is a McCarthy guy. Uh, Malik Turner is not. So is, does that break the the tiebreaker there? I don't know. I think the next two games are just going to – we're just going to have to see how the next two games fold. But somebody at 6'5", at 230. That runs like a 4'3", and, my and has like this, a sub-7 three-cone drill. My thing is this, and I, and I said something to you about it the other day. <coughs> Excuse me. If he does not make it, or could it be the deciding factor – if they decide that maybe Fioko could have some value at the tight end position as well, he's already six foot five. He's two thirty. So even if he adds ten pounds, he's still a decent size for a tight end. Okay, so you know you got another Jarwin type. Okay, so if if Jarwin doesn't do that much this year. And and I know I'm pushing out to the future. I'm not talking this year, but I'm pushing out to the future as well. If Jarwin does not perform this year or not perform to his contract, that could also be a possibility as well. That could also be another. And I guarantee you, I guarantee you, if Fehoku goes to the practice squad, he will not be there long. Somebody's going to take him. So that was just kind of my thing. Like, that's another aspect where they could keep Fehoku over Malik Turner just because of that possibility. We see it all the time where wide receivers get switched to tight end or even quarterbacks get switched to tight end, so it's not impossible. So that's I, just my I think the, the what's going to determine how many wide receivers we keep is our confidence in the offensive line. I think that we're going to go pretty heavy roster and defensive players. Well, I think we keep a minimum of six. Personally, I don't wide think receivers. We, yeah, I don't think we keep no less than six. I think if we keep six, I think Semi's probably a lock. I think he. I think he's only in trouble if we keep five. I, I just don't see where. You know, uh, I don't know. I just don't see a world where we don't keep six. I, I think that's if, just my opinion. I think if we're going light at running back and at tight end with three and three, yeah, I think we need to go a little bit deep at wide receiver. You just run the risk of all it takes is a couple injuries. And all of a sudden, you're light at all your skill positions on offense. So, I agree with you there. I think if we go light at tight end, light at running back, I think we will go heavy at wide receiver. And even heavy, that's that's 14 skill players, three tight ends, three running backs, 
two quarterbacks, six wide receivers. You still got 39 between your offensive line, specialist, and all your defense. Yeah, I mean, that's true, too. Seth, I think that that's enough for the offense. I think we've covered the wide receiver position and the tight end. We, we talked offensive line at depth at the beginning. A, a lot of it's just about getting healthy, it, not only a, amongst the starters, but also amongst the reserves. Because with these two games, that that's one thing we need to solidify is is the depth at the offensive tackle position. Is it Steele? Is it Knight? Is it Ball? Is it Nesky? Is Smith is Smith healthy? I think that those are the big concerns. I think that everything on the interior is stabilized with Williams, Martin, and Biotish. You're just you're figuring out that one or two players. Can you keep Connor as an emergency center? Can you keep McGovern as an emergency um, as your guard? Or does Farniak? That that's that's a player that I want to bring up real quick. When I talked earlier about Connor Williams struggling at center, I think that, that helps Farniak have a really good chance to make the team. We've already moved on from some of the centers that were above him when we were just talking about the guys on the team to begin the season. He's played some reps with the twos and obviously with the threes and stuff like that. If he's getting run with the second-team offensive line, that says something right there in itself. And with Williams struggling, we're going to have to have a backup center. That I do want to see more reps out of him in Game 3 and Game 4, mostly at the center position because we've seen what we've got in Connor Williams. And I know Williams came out and said he found out just before the game that he was going to be playing center, but I really I don't want him as our backup center anyway because he's our starting left guard. I don't want to move him inside to the center position should something happen to Biotis. I'd rather just have a plan B that that's not, that doesn't involve moving a starter and once again doing what we did last year and just jumping our offensive line around every single week. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with everything you just said. Uh, you know, we also could just uh, coax that guy out of retirement and bring Looney back, you know what I'm saying? But anyway. Um, I, 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 think, I think, yeah, these next two games are going to provide a lot of answers for us. So, um I'll just be sitting here waiting and watching to yeah, see how things I, go. I'm going to tell you what, since we've been doing this podcast, um, you know, I, I was always okay on preseason, but I was never as much into it because I was just I was worried about starters and, and the maybe second string. But but ever since we've been doing this podcast, I've been a lot more excited about the third and fourth stringers and, and the those bottom-of-the-depth chart battles especially with how injuries have hit us last year, that depth is so key and that depth is so crucial, having players there that can step in and play. And also in today's game, going 17 weeks, it's more important than ever than having guys that can show up on the field because it, it, there's going to be a lot more committees at, at every position. It's going to be hard to ask anyone to take 80 90% of the snaps for 17 weeks. So that's one thing I can say for myself about about training camp and 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 my excitement for the next two games and the fact that we got the extra game and the fact that we were on hard knocks this year and um but I think let's go on flip sides and and let's go to the defensive side of the ball. We we've talked a lot about like Hill and being hurt and how that's that that's really hurting his chance of maybe even making the roster. 
but maybe the injury to Gallimore helps. And um, we've talked about Urban, we've talked about Watkins, talked about Quinn Bohanna, a player that you and I were both excited about after watching the tape. And then after seeing him on the field and seeing some very unexpected athleticism and some pass rush that looked better than what we saw on tape, I think another player that I want to talk about is Osa, um, on the, especially on the interior. That's a player that was taken in the third round that I know you were really high on. Yeah, I liked him. I liked him a lot better than uh, Golston, personally. Um yeah, I mean, he's played some very valuable reps the first two games, and uh, he's looked good doing it. And, you know, that's another guy that could easily step in there and put a lot of reps. But, you know, that's that's two rookies now that you're asking to, you know, put a lot on their plate on a defense that was not good last year. So, uh, most of the time you don't want three or four starting rookies on your defense when it was bad last year. That's usually not a recipe for success the following year. So, and, and especially, like, one of our worst – I mean, did, interior defensive line was bad last year. I mean, there's just no other way – there's no way to sugarcoat it. There's no way to make it, you know, fluff it up and and present it as, as a nice picture. I mean, the, the interior defensive line was just bad point-blank period in the story. And that's one of the reasons why we drafted – Golson, that's one reason why we drafted Os. That's one reason why we drafted Bohanna, why we signed Watkins, why we signed Urban. Is I mean, it was basically just a tear down and start from scratch, just using a couple pieces, Hill and um, Gallimore from last year. I know that you're not big on Golston. He's been hurt, and, and that's been hurting him. I think draft capital easily puts him on the team this year oh, yeah. and, and gives him a chance, but – Guys have got to be healthy. They've got to be on the field. In the NFL, man, it goes too quick. They're, these colleges are producing too many talented players. You just you don't get chances the way you used to 10, 15 years ago where you get two, three, four years to develop. You've got to show these teams something at least to build on pretty quick. You're on a roster bubble year, too. Yeah, I mean, if you're a first-round first pick, you're probably looking at – two to three years of chances. If you haven't shown by the third year, then you're probably – you might be there your fourth year just because you're on your rookie contract. That's provided that the same coaching staff is still yeah, there. Yeah, um, But as a third rounder or beyond, like you're not guaranteed anything. Like if he doesn't do well this year and he starts off bad next year, he could very well be gone before the start of his second year in the league. Uh, I wasn't, you know, everybody heard the that listened to our draft episode. I wasn't big on it from the get go. Uh, you know, I just didn't see a whole lot. Uh, nothing to get really excited about. He's kind of one of those uh, decent at certain things, but nothing really pops. You know, pops out at you. And the fact that he has been hurt for me. Really, I mean, I can't say it's going to hurt his chances to make the roster because, like you said, I think draft capital locks him in. Uh, but I, I really don't know what to expect from him, and I think he's going to be playing more on the defensive end side. And we've had a, a lot of guys that have been stepping up at the defensive end position. 
So I don't know exactly where he falls in on the depth chart. He might be one of those tweeners that plays inside and outside and just kind of moves around a little bit. But the thing is, is even that, he may be looking at fifth best at both. Interior defensive line, you've got Gallimore, you've got uh, Watkins, and you've got Urban. I I think that there was some talk about Watkins or Urban early, maybe not making the team if all the youngsters showed up. And Osa as well. I I think – well, no, I'm talking about those those are probably our top three. Oh, okay. okay. So you're looking at Osa at at four, maybe Bohanna at four. What does Tristan Hill do? Does he make the team – if he does, where does he slide in? You're looking at for Golston, maybe fifth, sixth, best yeah. interior defensive line. So then, with that, let's go and kick it outside, and let's move to defensive end. All right, Tank Lawrence locked in on one side. Randy Gregory's locked in on the other. We've had some players that have looked good in snaps, and some of these players have even ran with the the quote-unquote ones in the first two preseason games, and I'm talking about Rondell Carter, a player that I was extremely high on that was undrafted out of JMU last year, and then a player that you were extremely high on, Bradley and I. Yeah. Carter had multiple sacks. Now, one of them got called back for an offsides. He got called for the offsides. It wasn't him. It was 98. It was Quentin Bohanna. They showed the replay. It was clearly Bohanna offsides. But Carter had multiple sacks last game. He had uh, He's had a couple hurries. Now, granted... He had an offside. He had another offside penalty himself, and and that one was on him. So th- there have been some ups and downs, but there have been some flashes, and and there's he's shown a lot of pass rush prowess, and that's something that we need from the defensive end position. Yeah, that's something we definitely lacked last year, and uh, let's not forget about uh, Dorrance Armstrong. Uh, he's he's had a really good preseason so far. He had two sacks against Arizona this past week. Uh, There's a lot of guys or several guys here that we didn't expect to play this well in the preseason this early. And we talked most of the offseason about defensive end being our biggest question mark because like you said, we had Tank, we had Randy Gregory, and then after that it was kind of, you know, it was that kind of deal. But all of these guys are stepping up, and what is that, five? We're already uh, at five. So five defensive ends that are playing really well this preseason. Now, we, of course, Tank hadn't been playing, but we know we, we got him. Yeah. Um, Randy and, Gregory didn't and, play. And Randy two. Gregory's been unblockable in, in preseason. I understand it's insiders saying that mostly they're all going to hit the positive. But they've, like, the players they've talked about dominating in preseason, we've seen dominate on the field. In the games and what snaps they played with with Parsons, and they said that Tony Pollard looks electric. He's looked electric in, in the few um, games he's uh, in the few snaps he's played. So you know I'm going to take them at face value that Randy Gregory has just been dominant this year, and I think that that fire is just rekindled for football. Well, you got to think. My thing is this: he goes up against Lil Collins every day. And if he jumps to the other side, then he's going against Tyrone Smith every day. So I'm not worried about his play at all. Uh, like we said, you know, Randy Gregory's locked in. Tank's locked in. Um, now the question is, who is going to be – I think Armstrong's locked in. Well, I think Armstrong's locked in too. I think those three are locked in. 
the question is going to be Golston. And I think Golston's locked in just because, like we said, he's draft capital. Better not be cutting Carter. Uh, well, that's the thing. Here's my thing with Carter. Man, you turn me on to Carter. I like Carter. The fact that they cut him last year, then he got hooked on with Indy, mm-hmm. and then he got cut again in November, and we brought him back. No, we brought him back from their practice squad. What? But he was he was. If he's not on the active roster, to me, he's he's a cut. Okay, I got you. Uh, the fact that we brought him back has to say something. And the fact that him – now, he played better than Anaya last week against Arizona. He had the two sacks. But Anaya had very good play as well. Anaya showed a spin move that we didn't see much on, on – no, film. He, I mean, we we talked about the fact that he, he had, was not a flashy guy at all. Yeah, I mean, he was more of your bull rush type, and that was pretty much it. Um, and it was great to see that he has been able to progress as a player and add that to his uh, skill set. Here's the biggest question: Can we afford? Can we afford to keep both? With the corner situation that we have, and truth be told, the linebacker situation that we have as well, can we afford to keep both? All right. So we did when we talked. And I want to go ahead and say this on. I don't know that either one of them stays on our practice squad. So if we cut them, if they don't make it, that's it. Yeah. So we talked fourteen from the skill positions: as quarterback, running back, tight end, wide receiver. We probably keep 10 offensive linemen, and that feels like a a solid number to me. So that's what, 24? It's 24. Yeah. Hmm. (laughs) Yeah. Probably five defensive tackles. So Watkins, Urban, Gallimore, Osa. God, we better keep Bohanna. So that's twenty nine. So we're looking to keep. I mean, we'd have to keep six defensive ends. I mean, that's if you consider Golson defensive end. So that's thirty five. So between linebacker, corners, and safeties, was I say thirty five? Well, linebacker. That yeah, it's thirty five. So we'd have eighteen 18. between linebackers, secondary, and specialist. <laughs> I think it's doable. I think it's doable. I, I, I think it's doable. I think it's doable, but there's going to be some guys. Because I think with with Keanu Neal being able to play linebacker and then in a pinch playing safety. He saves the spot because I, he can do both. Correct. All right. I think we can keep four safeties. So that's 39? Yeah. Yeah. We probably keep five to six linebackers. Probably five. So that puts us at 44. Because you're looking at Parsons, LVE, Jalen Smith, uh, Cox. Neil. Well, Neil's that betweener. So I think we I, I really think I think him. we keep four safeties not including Neil. So you've got to include Neil as well. And I think Francis is, is going to be He's that. hurt. 
I know he's hurt, but I think he's going to be on our. I roster. think Gifford's going to be hard to cut. Because uh, he's kind. Of, they say he's kind of a, a he's a speaker in the locker room, big locker room guy. Maybe that between him and Francis, I think it's it's going to be a toss up between the two. Uh, the the real big question is corners. All right, so we keep Joseph, we keep Diggs. Uh, those two were locked. Now we do know those two a lot. I think Wright. Uh, Lewis. I think is, Wright's about as I, close to lock as you can get. I, I was getting them. Lewis is locked. Gross. Uh, now the play of Kennedy might put that in jeopardy a little bit because Kennedy has played very well. And Kennedy's a big slot, which allows uh, us to have that built. That's look, that's my problem. Look, right I there. know you're going against Lewis. Okay, stop it. Stop it. All right, keep All right, going, keep nah. going. All right. All right. Right, like you just said, I think he's played good enough the first two. Uh, how many linebackers do you have? Five? Five. So that's we're at 44. All right, we're 44. We need corners, three specialists. That puts us at 47. So you have six linebackers, six corners. Go. All right. Let me start over. <laughs> we got Joseph and we got Diggs. Those two are locked. I think you're right about Right, he's locked. Uh, and that's that's where Kennedy and Lewis get murky. Um, all right, say you keep both of them. Just Lewis's let, contract is too hard to cut. All right, all right, let's let's say we keep both of them. All right, so that's five. So now we're looking at shoot six locked. We're done. Well, we got right. All right, let's just hold on. Anybody else, Brown has not played to his contract this preseason. I think he's cuttable. He's a, he's an out-year candidate. So we can cut him. Don't you even mention what you're now, about to mention. Our number six would be Reggie Robinson, in my opinion. Well, our opinion. Uh, I just – I don't see a corner – out there that can jump over those top six. So you're saying Brown's out? I'm saying that it's a good possibility. With the out year and the contract. Here's Kennedy's emergence really, really hurts. If if Kennedy wasn't playing as well as he did, then I say Brown's a lot. Correct. But Kennedy playing the way he is, I think that's – Kennedy's emergence and Kennedy's ability to play inside is what hurts Brown because the best thing that Brown has going for him is inside and outside versatility. If Kennedy's good enough to where a lot of beat writers are saying Jordan Lewis might not be the starting slot week one. Contract says he is. A lot of the beat writers are saying Kennedy has been a just he's come out of nowhere. Now I understand he was a high draft pick, and there's a lot of intangibles. He's got a lot of athleticism, but you haven't seen it yet. He opted out last year. We were talking about him maybe yeah. getting cut because we didn't see anything last year. Not only is has he not a candidate to be cut, man, he's a candidate to start. Yeah. So if he starts inside, then 
then Lewis is your backup slot. How many teams, let's say we're keeping six corners, how many teams are going to keep three slot guys? Knowing, knowing that Diggs can go inside, knowing that in a pinch Kelvin Joseph can go inside, why? I like Anthony Brown. But but you saw it, man. He guarded Clay. Well, he guarded Claypool in that Hall of Fame game. I Claypool like, had five yards of separation on just like on just a crossing route. All right, out of the six guys that I just named, who's the one that's the odd man out? It's not Reggie. It's Brown. And the reason why I say Brown is because every other guy is Mike McCarthy's guy. Well. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right because they signed Kennedy, so that is a Mark McCarthy guy. Brown is not necessarily a McCarthy guy. I, so, I, and I did like for but real. But they did just sign him, and for real to last year, as a matter of fact. But. Reggie is he's a front office guy, and he's a scouting department guy. Like the drafting guys are huge on Reggie. That they're going to push to keep him. Yeah, the, the, it's another thing of upside versus and knowing he's, a, he's strictly an outside. Oh, guy. oh, one hundred percent. So, so 100%. that that does help him as well. Well, kinda. It helps him that Kennedy, Kennedy being good enough to push for the starting job might save Reggie. Uh, Reggie Robinson's my guy. If he leaves and he's not on the team, I'm gonna be upset. Just mm-hmm. know, be prepared for. You know, one last good rant. I think he'll be signed somewhere else. I, you know, let me, well, let me go and talk about it. In the Pittsburgh game, he forced a fumble. He made a terrific third down tackle in which it was one of those crossing routes. They're hoping he was going to get logged up in traffic. He fought through traffic and stopped the guy two or three yards short. Punt and got the ball back to us. Yes, he gave up the touchdown, and I text Seth as soon as he gave up that touchdown. I text Seth actually throughout that game. He was playing some press. He was playing other snaps. He was giving guys like seven, eight yards, and I've seen that just not out of him. I've seen that out of every corner that's lined up on that 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 short side of the field from where the camera is. Which is a- surprising. A.K.A. not the side Diggs is going to be on. I've seen every corner give seven, eight yards, and I just can't understand – why you would do that? Reggie's looked fantastic in, in well, press Quinn, man. Quinn doesn't play that. He usually plays that press man. Yeah, for the most part. Well, so it's 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 a little throw off. Well, in the in the touchdown. Well, here's the thing: the touchdown they they went after him back to back snaps. The first snap they played the running back rolled out to the flat. You're right. I can diagnose every one of these plays in my sleep. I watched it multiple times. Asked my wife. Running back goes out into the to the flat. And then the receiver's supposed to sneak in behind. So when the corner presses up, the ball goes back to the wide receiver. You see it happen in the NFL a lot where the wide receivers literally no, – you can't even see a defender on the screen. Reggie played that thing perfect, that first one. He he kind of covered the corner until the, the help came. He covered the flat for a brief second just until the help came. And then he rotated back on the wide receiver. And the corner and the quarterback end up kind of having to force one in, and it was out of bounds, and and so just move on to next play. Next play, he wasn't pressing; he was pressing on the first one. Next play, he's like eight yards off, and Kamara comes in for a blitz, and so I'm already thinking, okay, it's one on one out there; he's got no help. I, I really was encur- I really wanted to see what happened here because he, he was on his own. 
He was on an island. But playing that seven, eight yard off, he, how do you win that? You're either giving seven, eight yards into the inside or seven, eight yards outside. The only way you can win that route if the guy is if the guy runs the post corner. If he runs anything short, you're going to lose. I don't know why Quinn would put him in that situation there where it's almost unwinnable. So that yeah. that's my Reggie rant. But other than that, it, preseason game two, I didn't really see a target his way. I, I saw a guy that pursues hard in the running game that tries to get in there to make tackles on the run. He doesn't always make tackles on the run in the run game. Our linebackers have been dynamic. Cox is, has been everything – and more that we thought he would be sideline to sideline. He's like our two highest graded defenders in the preseason are Mika Parsons and Jabril Cox. And Parsons has been all over the place. Um, and, and that's what I'm saying. Between with Parsons and Cox all over the place, and and Parsons never really played with Reggie, but um, with Cox being everywhere and leading the team in tackles both preseason games, yep. there hasn't been a lot there. But he pursues hard in the run game. He hasn't – every time he's been in press man coverage, I haven't seen one ball thrown his way. I under, I'm not calling him Darrell Revis, but what I'm saying is number two and number three quarterbacks haven't been challenging him as a number two or number three corner. Yeah. Other than that one play, and I don't think that's his fault because Quinn set him up for failure. Who, However that play got called to where he was off seven, eight yards, he was set up for failure. They've done it a few times. He was lucky enough. Another time they did it, that's where he forced fumble. He was seven, eight yards off, and he came in and smacked the ball out, and we ended up recovering and, and forcing a fumble. For me, I like Anthony Brown. He's he's made some plays on defense last year. He's one of the few playmakers on the team that was able to force some turnovers. But with this young infusion of talent, right, digs, Joseph Kennedy's a young player. Is he like 25, 26? Seth, can you look that up real quick? Lewis is a younger player. Anthony Brown's the old man there at like 29, 30 years old. I, I like the thought of keeping that young influx of talent and keeping Reggie. 27. Uh, okay. All right. So, I, I okay. So, I would, he's, he's a year older than I thought he was. Um, but with this young infusion of talent, I like the thought of keeping Reggie with some of the other guys' ability to play inside, knowing that we've got another physical, athletic press corner on, on the outside. Because, yes, Brown's Brown can press, and yes, he's physical. He doesn't have half the athleticism of Reggie Robinson. And Reggie Robinson, in, in small sample sizes, has shown you some playmaking ability even though it's just been forced fumbles, he's shown the ability to take the ball away. So what you're saying is your team, Reggie? 365, 24-7. All right. So with that being talked about. Let me ask you this. Is there any other Dallas Cowboy podcast that goes to bat so hard for fourth-round picks? The Reggie Robinsons on the worlds, the Quentin Bohannas of the worlds. Is there any other podcast that gives you this kind of an analysis? I'm, I'm I'm sure there probably are. Just just add us to the list, I guess. I mean, we're definitely uh, Reggie Truthers for sure. Uh, but let me jump to the safety. All right, now that puts us if we keep six, that puts us at forty-seven. Correct. 
yeah, but just just to wrap up corner, I, I really do think the battle is the youthfulness of Reggie versus the versatility of Brown, and and I think I, I think that that's where it is. Now the, the problem is the one thing I've seen that I've been a little bit encouraged by, just to add more shine to Reggie. I've seen him out there on some special teams. I've seen him out there on punt coverage. I've seen him out there on kick coverage. The fact that he plays special teams will do a lot for him. True. Because True. Anthony Brown doesn't play. He hasn't ever really. He's he, he's used to being a starter. Yeah. So if he surpassed on the depth chart by Wright, Kennedy inside, and Joseph, that's another thing that helps Reggie make the team is the fact that he's been in in there on coverage because some of these guys have got to play special teams. It's, we, you know, we, you can't just have the kicker back out there and that's it. You've got to have guys out there being gunners. Yeah, I think, like you said before, I think after it's all said and done, I, Reggie needs to go up and hug Kennedy because truth be told, if it wasn't for Kennedy playing as well as he has in the preseason, I think, unfortunately – I think we go experience over youth. Oh, 100%. So, I, I was I was worried about Reggie as soon as Joseph. And I'm still worried. I mean, at the end of the day, he's a fourth-round pick, 123. We've drafted two defensive backs with higher draft capital than him this year. And we brought back a guy that opted out that, that we were pretty excited about. And we gave Jordan Lewis a nice contract in the offseason, I'm still worried. He's not a lock. I, I think that – But he is a big physical corner like what Dan Quinn likes in his corner. Yeah, and athletic. So that, and that, the, the athleticism is, is off the charts. Too. And that's that's huge. And Brown is the exact opposite of that. Uh, he's You know, he's not a big corner. Um, and, of course, the athleticism, I think, like you said, Reggie is more athletic than he is. Uh <sighs> Let's jump on to the safeties. Right now, we're at 47. That means between free safety and strong safety. No, we're at 46. Okay, we're at 46. Because we, we kept four safeties and three specialists, long snapper, punter, kicker, and, and that put us at – that put us allowing six corners. So, it's four safeties. This right now is yours and my math as, as we – as you and I build the Cowboys roster. I think, I, okay, so I think we, we got, put together a nice little team. So, we got four spots. Correct. To put it free safety and strong safety. Yes. Go. Israel, Donovan, Donovan, Donovan Wilson – Donovan Wilson's lock at, at strong safety. I don't think – I don't think there is any competition for him at strong safety. I think he's just the starter. All right, so at, at, now did you add Neil as just an Neil's extra in as linebacker okay. for me? Okay, so he was for you too. You well, have, I, I I put him in a separate category you because have, he can play both. You have five linebackers. That was LVE, Mika Parsons, Jabril Cox, Jalen Smith, and you were talking about Gifford and Bernard, correct? It would be, yeah be between those two. So that's your five linebackers. It's with yeah. Neil. Yeah. Okay. So at safety, Donovan Wilson's locked as strong safety. The the problem is free safety. No one solidified that position. Is it? Is it? The problem is like Coyle. I could see him making some plays and putting himself in contention in, in next game. I could also see him being cut this time tomorrow. You know, this time next week 
next Tuesday when, when cuts come. So the problem is with Ho- Hooker is playing this week, correct? Yes. I, I believe he needs to get out on the field. Kazee needs to get out on the field because we need to find – we need to get some definition at the free safety position. I think Darian Thompson, he's been out there. He's made some plays in the run game. I just – I don't like his coverage ability. And at the end of the day, his coverage ability is going to be a liability and that hurts him. I really like what I've seen out of Israel. Man. You and I have been talking about that. They've been moving him all over the field. Free safety, line of scrimmage, in the box, in the slot. I think the fact that he can go in the slot too – as if I don't talk about Reggie Robinson enough, I think the fact that he can go in a slot allows us to keep another outside corner, whoever that may be. Yeah, I think he he was an outside corner in college. He's got enough athleticism to play in a slot in the NFL as a press man guy. I think that that he's another man, just, just weapon slash chess piece on defense. I know that you got into you made a comment on. A Facebook page today where, where some guy was talking about, you know, we drafted Israel in the sixth and we could have had like Sam Ellinger, uh, the quarterback for the Colts, who who looked, you know, pretty good and, and yeah. ended up, uh, I think, led them to a victory uh, in the last preseason game, which is good for them with, with wins being hurt. But where our problem was was defense. And, and I like the thought of, of him being a chess piece. And they've thro- they're throwing a lot at him. And the problem – and not the problem – the positive of throwing all that at him is it ha- the game hasn't looked too big for him. The game hasn't looked too fast for him. No, he's playing very he's well. He's been out there making plays. So this year, let's say you throw the book at him and just move him around and call him a chess piece. In 2022, 2022 free safety's wide open. you got a bunch of guys on every single defensive back right now. The free safety position is on, I think, a one-year deal, right? I think Kazee yeah. and Hooker are both on one-year deals. Yeah, yeah. Every, so, every all our corners, I mean, our DBs are well, safeties. Safeties okay. are on one year deals. Um, so you're you're looking at him potentially being our it's our starting free safety in 2022. I, I like him as a lock. I've seen too much on film in college. I've seen I've seen and heard too much in the preseason, and. I've seen and heard too much in training camp, so I think he's a lock. I think that I don't think you can keep Booker and Kazee. I just I, I don't see a way in which you keep them both. I don't think so either. So that's the like our question mark is who's our starting free safety? Because yeah. it's, it's not going to be Israel. I just I don't I don't think he can do it in twenty twenty one. I don't think he's ready. So legit, our biggest question mark and probably. One will start and the other will get cut. Is Hooker and Kazee, and the problem is Hooker came late. Kazee knows the playbook, and Kazee's a Quinn guy. It, it's it's hard to bet against him, man. He's got a lot going for him now. If Hooker now Hooker comes out this week, gets a pick, makes some plays and coverage. The bad thing about that is like you can't even go off like injury history too because they both had injury history. So it's like. I don't know. I, I, these next two games are just going to have to – Hooker's going to have to come out and play really well these next two games. I, I think if it's a push, we keep Kazee. 
because he knows the defense and he's a Dan Quinn guy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I agree. So, 100%. I think Hooker has to win the job. I, I think Kazee has to not lose it, and Hooker has to win it. 100%. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. But but that gives something to be excited about going into into this week. And, um, you know, and this is probably going to be the formula for the next few weeks. We'll talk standouts from, from last um, – from the game coming up. Talk a little bit about hard knocks. If if there's another funny clip, if Neville Gallimore sneezes on camera again, we'll let you know. And um, I I think that that's kind of the formula in, until um, I'm pretty sure cuts are we cut five tomorrow. You got to cut five by tomorrow, Tuesday. Um, will be this will be uploaded late tonight, so most of you will probably listen to this on Tuesday. So that'll be cut day. And I think the next week. You've got to cut quite a few more. You've got to go down from, I think, like 80-something to like 68. Somewhere in there. Feels right. So I think you're cutting like 15, 16, 17 next week. So for a lot of these guys, man, it is do or die time like this week. Yeah, this week is it. You know, like, and then. Then, of course, you got to get down to 53. And then the last week after that, you know, I, I think you're going down from like 65 or 68 or whatever it is. Down to fifty three, so it's another big cut week. So, like you said, man, these practices, these preseason games, this week is huge. I think that this week, I think it'll be pretty light. I don't think we lose anyone. The guys that that we've been talking about on the bubble, even like Ty Neski and and Brown and Robinson and Kazee and Hooker. Yeah. Gifford and and Bernard, I don't I don't think any of that happens this week. I, I think I think this week you're looking at those bottom of the order wide receivers. We see five cuts, and that's without any IR moves or anything. Yeah. I don't I think we saved the IR moves for the second and third round cuts. Yeah, when you be. when you really got to start making those so. tough tough decisions. So I think tomorrow there there probably shouldn't be anything too. I don't I don't think you're going to see anybody and just be like what, but. After this Tuesday, man, the next couple weeks after that, man, that's when the big boy moves are going to happen. And when you're going to start losing some players on your team that, that Seth and I have been hyping up and, and that we've been really encouraged about and some players that you know we thought were probably going to make the 53, you can guarantee there's going to be one or two that you and I are going to come on and, and have to discuss at length and, and probably somewhere where we went wrong. Yeah. Um, yeah. But but that's you know that that's part of me loving doing the show. That's part of me loving watching the preseason and like I got HBO just so I could watch Hard Knocks. Same here. So um, yeah, I'm encouraged about this. Speaking week of and, Hard and Knocks, moving forward. Speaking of Hard Knocks, we did mention Neville Gallimore and his sneeze. I also wanted to sneeze. Uh, sneeze. I also wanted to bring up Ezekiel Elliott's present rapping. Oh <laughs> my! Right. That was pretty bad. <laughs> I, I, you know, I had to bring my wife in to to look. My man looked up a video and still couldn't get it right. Well, he just quit looking at it because he said it he wasn't said helping. It was, him. He said it was moving too fast. Yeah. So it was like, <laughs> I, I'm not gonna lie to you. I've wrapped some presents in my life. Luckily, I'm married, and 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 my wife handles all that. Or or people, you know, people would begin some Zeke presents for me too. Um, but yeah, that that was funny and. Them throwing the cake in in um, Dax face and and Isaac Alicorn basically oh, saying, I like cake. <laughs> saying man oh, I I wouldn't try the cake um you know that that's one fun thing that's that's been about uh, hard knocks this year and it's one of the fun things every year 
is you get to connect with these players and, and you get to hear things like mojo moment. You know, um, yeah. McCarthy's got this thing now where he'll just yell mojo moment in the middle of drills and he'll just set something up and he'll say, all right, it's it's third and goal from, from the seven-yard line. Uh, teams down five, and, and or well, most time it's one play. So he'll, he'll call like fourth and goal from the seven yard line, and, and you've got to get there. Or he'll call third and eleven from like the thirty three, and we've got to get this this first down or third and three. And it's 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 who's got the mojo? Is it is it defense or is it offense? And and he said, and I completely agree with him. Any chance you can throw in a Mike Myers quote in, into football, you know why not? Oh, of course, yeah, definitely, no question. I, and the other thing was uh, big was his speech at the beginning of it. You know he he you know that that right there had to give give you some motivation. You know him just flat out saying you know there's there's there is no making it to the NFC Championship game. There is no winning the division you know division title if you don't win the Super Bowl. You won absolutely nothing, and that's coming from a man that won multiple division titles with, with the Green Bay Packers and and made it further in the playoffs than we have, and beat us in the playoffs. You know the game where Des Bryant caught it. I, I don't know how he caught that ball, and you know we still lost, but yeah, you know it yeah. happens. Um, but you know for a coach that's that's been to all the levels, including the level we want to get at. The same, and I've I've won divisions and I've won wild card games, and 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 when you lose whatever game it is, man, the flight home doesn't change. Yeah, it doesn't. It it really doesn't mean nothing. Uh, and I think that was a good way for him to start things. Just you know, just let this guy, let the guys know, like, look, you know, you're supposed to be in it for the Super Bowl every year anyway. But he flat out told him and said. Look, I'm not in it for anything else. If you're not in it for this, walk. It's basically yeah. what he said. So, um, I got a little hyped up about that. You know, I was, I'm, I'm, I'm hyped up about him. I'm hyped up about Dan Quinn. Yeah, I'm still excited about Kellen Moore. I'm, I'm hoping what we've seen in the red zone is a product of Dak not being there. I know Dak's always. Things change when you have Dak Prescott in the lineup at quarterback versus who we've got. Dak, we haven't had Zeke play either. So Dak for a while, you know, was booked for five to six rushing touchdowns. He adds that element to the offense, and obviously Zeke is is a load to take down inside the red zone. So I'm hoping some of those red zone struggles are, are just it's a personnel thing and not a coaching thing. Yeah. Uh, so that that's probably the one coaching thing I'm down on. But man, you're right. McCarthy speech and and Dan Quinn swagger and and this you know he brings he he brings Super Bowl victory with him to the Dallas Cowboys as well and 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 that's got me excited and that's got me ready to roll this season. Let's get it. All right, Seth. Why don't we uh, end this show right here? I think we're ending at a good spot. Why don't you go and give your social media account? It's at Seth Rob eighty five. I'm at a underscore Bo six fifteen. We've still got the Facebook page. You know, I'm just we're gonna keep preaching, man. Tell one friend about the Facebook page, or tell one friend about the podcast, and that's that's how we go from where we're at, listeners to you know to, to adding five extra listeners to this episode and ten the next, and, and blah 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 is, is word of mouth, and 
we appreciate all of you guys' support and, and sticking through some of these longer podcasts. And I'm sure this is one of your longer listens every week. And um, thanks for the support as always. And we'll be back next week to talk probably the cuts and hard knocks and, and preseason game as always. Have a good night and go Cowboys. <laughs>